just as we're reflecting on that uh, comedy night, somebody said to me a year ago, they challenged me, they said, Dan, when we do these things where you're encouraging everybody to invite friends to things, we just really need to know that as leaders you're thoroughly invested in these events yourselves and that you're inviting your friends and family. So uh, I just want to say that as elders we totally are. And uh, we, you know, I'm not, I'm not the best. I don't have the most non-Christian friends in the world, if I'm honest. I'm not. Usually, when I sidle up to other dads at the school gate, and they sort of say, "So, what do you do?" and we're just getting going on the conversation, I say, "Well, I'm a church leader." They look at me like, "We can never be friends." <laughs> And that's just the, the, the sad requirement of, uh, of my job. But I try so hard at this. And I just want to, so I've invited, uh, I've got my brother coming up for the weekend that weekend. And I said, Chris, do you want to come along to this night? He said, yeah, I'd love to come. He hasn't been in church for years, so I'm really excited that he's coming. And then I was, I was getting my radiator fixed the other day at home. And I've known my plumber for years now. And uh, his, name is, uh, his name is Shuggy. And uh, I don't know why tradesmen always have names that make me sound silly when I say them. But anyway, I said to him after he'd fixed the radiator and done a good job, and I said, hey, Shuggy, I said, do you, do you like comedy? And he said, he said, I love comedy. I said, well, this is your lucky day. Because we have got a comedy night at our church, and I'd love to invite you along. He said, I'm totally coming. He said, it's free. It's amazing. So, and I, and I, saw, I really went to town. I said, and there's a hog roast. And he looked at me and I said, I hate pork. I said, well, don't worry, you don't have to eat the pork, you can just come for the comedy. So he's going to come as well. So I want to encourage you, just get inviting your friends, it's going to be a really, really great event. So, did you hear that word in the worship? With God, all things are possible. And we're starting this brand new preaching series today called Expectant, because that's the kind of people that God wants us to be. He wants us to be people who are looking to him and expecting change. In fact, in the big picture of things, Christians, we're called to expect that one day Jesus will come again in glory and we'll be with him forever. And that's going to be an amazing, glorious day. We're also called to be expectant that when we pray, his kingdom will come and his will will be done. So we're not just accepting the status quo of a, of a nation that doesn't seem so interested in God these days. We're saying, no, God is about changing that. And we're to be expectant that he is going to work through us and in us to bring that about. And he also wants us to be expectant for our own lives, for your life, for mine, that he's going to be powerfully at work in us. Jesus said, pray, uh, give us today our daily bread. That's to say we're expectant. We're to be expectant of change in our own lives when we ask God for it. So whatever your situation today, whatever you're about, this is what God wants you to do, to reach out to him with expectation. And here we are in this new season, lots of new people in Edinburgh. Perhaps you're brand new to Kings today. Perhaps you're a new student here. I remember 25 years ago, going to university, being dropped off by my parents at Newcastle University, the best university in, uh, in the UK. And, and I remember, it, 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 probably for the first time in my life, I felt a moment where they'd said goodbye to me. I was trusting God and all those things, but I just felt very alone. And I felt like, well, I don't know anybody. I, I don't have any friends here. And then as I was sort of lifting that to God, I, I just remember going back to my hall of residence room. And through the door opposite, I heard somebody strumming a guitar. And I thought, this can only mean one thing. <laughs> there is a Christian. 
living opposite me. And, and, and it was, it turned out to be, a, a, he became a best friend at university, Alex, and, we, and he was such an encouragement to me over so many years. See, God has our lives covered. You know, he's at work in our lives for his great plan and purpose and glory. And he's about that in your life. And today we're going to be looking, uh, I mean, I'm trying to do two things together and I kind of hope it works, right? I want to encourage us to believe God and have expectancy in terms of our relationship with him, but also talk about that as a community together so that as a church we're understanding what we're all about and what God's calling us to do, the kind of church God's making us to be, and to apply that personally. And we're going to do that by, I want to learn some lessons from the, the story of David and Goliath. And there's a story of an impossible situation that, that God fulfilled. And I want us to take encouragement from that, but also want to apply that in terms of the, the vision and uh, the, the values of what King's is. So that if you're new and if, or if you're old here, you're, you kind of feel like, yeah, this is what we're about here. So um, I don't know about you, but when I face the, the vision that God gives. I'm often overwhelmed by it because I think, well, that's more than I can do. And I take great comfort. There's a scripture in 1 Corinthians 2 where the Apostle Paul said, I came to you in weakness with great fear and trembling. He, he comes to a new city, Corinth, and, and here's his admission. He doesn't quite know what to do. He doesn't know how to go about this task, but he does know this. In the verse before and after, he says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And my message and preaching were not with wise and persuasive words, but with a demonstration of the Spirit's power. That's to say, he felt all the vulnerabilities that you and I feel in new situations, in situations where we're unsure of the future, but he had rock-solid confidence in Jesus, in the message of the cross, and in the fact that the Holy Spirit was with him to help him fulfill the calling God had given to him. And as we see this big city with all of its need, and all these people who don't know Jesus, here's our great hope and trust that we have the gospel, we have Jesus, and we have the Holy Spirit. So let's, uh, let's talk about the kind of church God wants us to be as we come into 1 Samuel 17 to, to, to find out about the story of David. So uh, here's some things that we throw around in Kings, uh, sometimes to describe the kind of church that God's calling us to be. He want, he's calling us to be a church for all people, all different kinds of people, all different nationalities, young, old, rich, poor, all of those things. God building one family together right here. And we're so excited when God adds diversity to us. He wants us to be a church for all of Edinburgh. He hasn't called us just to a locality, but to a whole city and beyond. Because uh, I think I'm with John Wesley, who said, the world is our parish. We're not interested in just one location, but in everywhere. And we love this whole city. And we want to be a church where all of us are all in for Jesus with our hearts and lives. So we're not tokenistic, we're not attenders on a Sunday, but we're really about life change and laying down our lives for one another and for Jesus and for, for this city that we live in. And we want to be such a church. We're, we're not all of those things, we're on our journey to those things. And that's the kind of church we want to become. 
So there's a who, there's a where and a how. It's a church for everyone. It's a church that is for all of Edinburgh. And this is how we do it, by laying down our lives for one another. So anyway, 1 Samuel 17. Let's come into this story of David and Goliath. It's a well-known story. Even if you're not a Christian, I dare say you've heard the term David and Goliath. It's about the little guy and the big guy. And just to summarize the story, because 1 Samuel 17 is a very long chapter, and we could be here till 12 o'clock reading the chapter if we just read the whole thing. So I'm going to just summarize, and then we're going to dip into certain bits of it as we learn some key lessons. And here's how the story begins. It begins with a stalemate of a battle where all the Israelites, God's people, are on one side of the valley and their enemies, the Philistines, were on the other side of the valley and the Philistines had a secret weapon called Goliath. He was a three meters tall giant with a massive sword and a massive shield and the Israelites didn't really have an answer for him. And so they just sat there day after day and he kept challenging them to single combat. He dictated the terms of the battle and they didn't know what to do about it. And they get terrified on a daily basis. Their spirits are going down. And weeks pass. Six weeks. Nothing changes. And then a young boy called David turns up with the sandwiches for his brothers. And he says, well, I could kill him. And everyone's like, nah, not really. And he says, no, I, I really could. And he goes out before this giant with a sling and a stone. And at the beginning of the story, the giant is standing big and tall over Israel. And at the end of the story, this little boy David is standing over this giant dead on the ground. Now, I think this is a story about growing in expectancy. You see, we, we, we love the story of a, of a little guy being a big guy, don't we? We, we love the story of Leicester winning the Premier League, unless you're a Spurs or Chelsea fan. Or, you know. we, we, we love the story of the underdog. We, we love films like Aaron Brockovich and the like, where, where a secretary kind of has success against the, the big pharmaceutical companies of America. In yeah, I love this stuff. And David and Goliath is such a story. But you know, every story like that has a backstory. And in my reading of 1 Samuel 17, there are five other giants that David had to overcome before he beat Goliath. And they were personal things. And if we're going to be a church for all, and a church for all Edinburgh, and a church where all of us are all in with our hearts and lives, I want to suggest that these are five very relevant giants that you and I will have to fight in our lives. And here's the first one. He had to fight the battle against personal discouragement. These are all Ds. If you're looking for a theme, D. D is the theme today. I'm Dan, and these are all Ds. Okay, personal discouragement. So we can dip into verse 28. Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard David speaking with the men. He burned with anger at him and asked, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. Don't you love brothers? They tell it like it is, don't they? 
But here's the interesting thing about this. See, David is trying to do the right thing in a difficult situation. We don't entirely know what David's motives are, but he's wanting to do something about it. But his motive gets entirely misunderstood. And here's the thing about discouragement. It's always personal. You know, it, at the end of the day, if somebody says to me, Dan, I don't like your shirt, it, you know, that's not personal, I can change it. Or I don't like your hair, I can change my hair. But when somebody says, I know how evil your heart is and how conceited you are, that's kind of personal. That's my personality. I can't change that. Saved by the grace of God. But, see, discouragement is personal. In fact, discourage, it means to, to, to lose heart. It, it has that sense about it. And this is a giant that I promise you will have to overcome in order for us to be a church for all, all Edinburgh, where all of us are all in. Because if we give up at this hurdle and let that giant beat us, then we will never step out with expectation because we'll just think, oh yeah, he's right. The devil is called the accuser of the brothers. And it says he accuses day and night. And he's telling you you're a rubbish Christian. He's telling you that your motives are bad. David does something very important. And I want us to understand exactly how he dealt with this giant. The Bible says he listened to Eliab and then he says, why are you going on at me? And then he turned and talked to somebody else. He ignored him. The best way to deal with encouragement is to ignore it entirely. You see, when you're on a mission for God, and when you're trying to do what he wants you to do, discouragement will come. Then is not the time to process all of the things that people are saying. It's time to get on and ignore the discouragement. People might come at you with all sorts of accusations. And, and here's the thing about that discouragement. It wasn't Goliath saying it to him. It wasn't the enemy, it was his own team. And sometimes the deepest things come from the people who love us the most. In jarring moments, but David learned to ignore it. Here's the second battle that uh, that. that that David faced, the second giant he had to overcome. It was this one, lack of definition. There's your second D, definition. Saul, he, he went to Saul to say, I'll fight the giant. And Saul said, you are not able to go out against this Philistine. You're a young man and he's been a warrior from his youth. David is in a warrior's world. He's the boy with the sandwiches who looks after sheep and he's surrounded by men who are twice his size and stature, who have been trained for battle. In later years, David would say, my, my arms can bend a bow of bronze. He became a warrior. But at that point, he was no warrior. He was surrounded by warriors. In fact, he was before a king who was pretty tall himself and who was a warrior king. And David didn't have a role. He wasn't coming as the expertise. Here's a battle that you and I have to overcome. It's this idea that we need to have a role and we need to be given a platform in order to succeed. Now, the world we live in, this is highly relevant because, uh, I don't know about you, I mean, 
the degree specialisms you get these days at university are, are, are pretty exact, aren't they? I mean, you can tend to think, unless I have qualification in this exact area, I'm, I, I can't say anything about it at all. We live in a world of experts, and the tendency can be that we feel like God cannot use us unless we have particular training. I read a brilliant blog post um, this week by Jen Rawson, Chris's wife, and um, she, she just told a story about walking past somebody in the street who was clearly agitated and vulnerable, and she just felt God telling her to go and speak peace over him and to pray for him. And all those things going through her mind, well, I'm not an expert, I, you know, I, I'm not, I don't know much about his situation, I don't know him, I'm, I'm, I'm not qualified. But she goes in obedience, she prays for him, the peace of God, and he's so thankful. And his immediate reaction was, are you a social worker? <laughs> you see, we live in a world where, where that's the expectation, there's professionals, and some, some professional will do it. David didn't fall into that trap. He got in he got in with his own identity in God. See, expectant people are not defined by education or skill set, but by who God says they are. And David knew he was one of the people of God, and therefore he was qualified to fight giants. Here's the third giant that, that David had to overcome. It was deferment, deferring to others. David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. So David wasn't waiting for somebody else to do it. He, in fact, for 40 days, somebody else had hoped that somebody else would do it. But David knew that wasn't going to happen. So he said, well, if nobody else is doing it, I'll do it. God loves it when we take a step out of our comfort zone. came across this great poem the other day. I don't know if you've heard it. It says, This is a little story about four people named everybody, somebody, anybody, and nobody. There was an important job to be done, and everybody was sure that somebody would do it. Anybody could have done it, but nobody did it. Somebody got angry about that because it was everybody's job. Everybody thought that anybody could do it, but nobody realized that everybody wouldn't do it. And it ended up that everybody blamed somebody when nobody did what anybody could have done. <laughs> I mean, David wasn't special. He was doing what anybody could have done, but nobody did. But he didn't, he refused to defer to other people. Here's something I really want to make a big ask of you as we talk about being a church for all, for all Edinburgh, where all of us are all in. Don't think somebody else is going to make that happen. Be part of that. Think what your part of the solution to that is. God is looking for people to partner with. People who will say, yes, Lord. Expectant people say yes to God. Here's the fourth giant that David had to overcome. The, the deadly atmosphere of unbelief. Verse 24 says that whenever the Israelites saw the man, Goliath, they all fled from him in great fear. They had a huge view of Goliath, whereas David had a huge view of God. David looked at him and said, well, who is this guy? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? Here is his point. 
He's uncircumcised. He's not one of the people of God. He's not in relationship with God. We're in relationship with the Lord of hosts, the Lord of the armies. He had a bigger view of God than he had of the challenge in front of him. Expectant people trust God more than what they see. They know God and they take action. Here was the fifth and final giant that David had to overcome. He was doing it like someone else. That pressure to be who you're not. And we, we, we're probably familiar with this. It says, Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was used to them. He was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. And he took his staff in his hand. He chose five smooth stones from the stream, put him in the pouch of his shepherd's bag. And with his sling in his hand, he approached the Philistine. Here's the giant that he had to overcome to try and be who he wasn't. He couldn't do it like Saul. He couldn't even lift Saul's armor. He had to do it with the skill set that God had given him. And God had given him a skill set. If we're going to achieve what God has called you and I to be, it requires us to dig deep and understand who we are and what the gifts we have are. And David had a good understanding of that. He understood that he was a shepherd and the best thing that he was doing was firing catapults. So he said, this is how I'm going to win this battle. Do you know, God's given you unique personality, unique gifts. Expectant people don't copy other styles or gifts, but pursue Christ's conformity and expect God to use them with theirs. And sometimes you can say, well, I, I, I don't know quite what my gifts are. And you can find questionnaires online to kind of spiritual strengths finders, all those kind of things, and they're great. That's a help. You can ask people who you know and trust and say, what do you think my gifts are? Again, that's a great help, especially if people know you well. But there's a pretty solid way of finding out your gifts. And that's to have a go. And when things begin to go well, you begin to understand something of what your gifting is and what it's not. And when things go less well, you understand something of what your gifting is and what it's not. And in my experience, most people grow through doing and serving and trying and moving and trying again. And God often prepares us for works of ministry in private. And uh, David, he, he, he prepared for this giant slaying thing in, in, in the fields with sheep and wolves. Do you know, God is preparing you in private for the things he's calling you to do that will come to the fore. Uh, I used to lead worship quite a lot. And I've got to tell you, when I, was, um, I think when I was about 15 years old, I was quite a new Christian Nobody had asked me to lead worship, but I felt like that was a gift that I had. And so I, I used to, I mean, this might sound a little bit weird, but I used to go to my bedroom with my guitar. I used to photocopy sheet music. I put it all out on the bed. I worked out which songs went together. I changed the keys so I could move them from one to the next. And I led worship for myself for a good couple of years. 
And then somebody said, hey, Dan, do you fancy leading worship? I was like, yeah, I can do that. I can do that because I've done it. I know how to lead worship because I've led myself in worship. And God will use your private battles, the things that you have in your experience and skill set to prepare you for your part in this mission. So here's my encouragement. Let's put behind these things so we can get on. Let's put away past discouragement. Let's ignore it. Let's not defer to other people. Let's not overweight for definition of your role. Let's not fall into deadly unbelief. And let's not try to do it like somebody else. Let us be uh, using the gifts God has given us. So I hope that's something of a, of a help in terms of where we're going. But what I really want to do now is talk about this thing that God's calling us to be as kings. And so this is, I'd love to just talk a little bit about these next few months and how I feel we can respond to being this kind of church that God is calling us to be. So this is something we're passionate about, that we want to be a church for all kinds of people. No matter who they are, what their background, whether they're religious or irreligious, whether they're wealthy or poor, whatever nationality, whether they're Scottish or English or wherever they're from, we want Jesus to build his family here. And the gospel is an incredible offer of hospitality. And we, uh, we, we basically want to enlarge our ability to, to make ourselves more accessible to more and more people of diverse backgrounds. And we recognize that we don't have a very diverse set of backgrounds here. We have some diversity, which is wonderful, but we want to increase that more and more and more and trust God for it. One of the ways that we really feel we can do this in this next season is we're starting something different starting today, which is we're going to be having the same preaching in the morning and evening service. And the reason for us doing that, somebody said to me, is that because is that you guys are just a bit lazy when it comes to preaching and you just want to save a bit of time? And, and uh, I said, no, it's not that actually, because we actually love preaching, and, and as you can probably tell. And we, we, we actually you know, we take all the opportunities we can get. And there's always less slots than we would like. But here's what we were finding. That we had a morning and an evening meeting. Some people would come to both, some would come to one, and they'd hear different preaching at both. And, and that was kind of chaos if you're a small group leader, because some people had heard one preach, some had heard another. And, and we thought, actually, what we're trying to do here, we're not trying to build two different meetings and two different fields. We're trying to create something that is one church with two different expressions. Some people can come in a morning more easily than an evening. Some people can come on an evening more easily than a morning. And last year, I was chatting to somebody, and, and they started coming to the evening service. And they, they said to me at the time, I remember they said, well, yeah, I'd never come in the morning. That's not my kind of thing. They weren't a Christian. But they started coming along to the evening. That person became a Christian uh, a couple of months ago. And that's because we were having an environment where they could come along and where they could hear and inquire and have their questions answered. I talked to somebody else the other week and they said to me, we'd had a break over the summer of evening meetings. We thought, let's just have a little rest here. We're pretty tired. And uh, uh, this guy, Matthew, comes to me and he says, 
the first one back after the summer, he, he said to me at the beginning of August, he came straight up to me and he said, I mean, I was kind of slightly regressing being there. I was kind of enjoying the evenings off and all of that. And he, came, he said, he said, Dan, he said, it's so good to be back in church again. He said, I haven't been for a month. He said, my shift work hasn't allowed me to come in the morning. And here I am. And it's so good to be back. And straight away, I thought, yes, of course. This is exactly why we're doing this, because we want people to get to church. We want people to meet Jesus, don't we? And so we're going full blazes with that. Starting tonight, we're going to be having the same preach. So don't come back tonight and expect to hear something different, unless you want to hear this message again. It will be, but we would love you, if possible, if you're serving at one meeting and you're able to offer yourself... If you're, if you're attending one meeting and you're able to serve at another meeting on a rota, that would be a great help just so we can keep servicing both of these meetings well. Um, here's another way we can be a church for all, and that's by inviting everybody we know to meet Jesus. And we're, uh, put the Tony Vino slide back up, that'd be great. We do this kind of event once a year where we say, look, this is an easy event to invite people to. I want to just invite you to just send the invite out far and wide. The whole idea is it's a very easy, accessible event to invite people to. Um, Josh Gilbert, who's going to preach on that Sunday morning, that's going to be a very accessible Sunday morning. We're not going to go for the, the full, full-on appeal at the end of the meeting, hands up, who wants to be a Christian. We're going to say to people, fill in a card if you'd like to do the Alpha course, and just to make it as easy as possible for people to respond and come on the Alpha course. That's what we're doing on that occasion. So get inviting. A bit later in the term, we're going to uh, have some carol services going on. They're going to be a great event to invite your friends and family and neighbours to. And uh, we, we, we want to just keep building outwards. Uh, we're going to eat together once a month because eating together is a great way of expressing uh, integration. And here's something that often happens in Kings on a Sunday morning. That when we break for coffee, students in 20s go this way, parents go that way, balcony people go that way. It's kind of a small room and I just want to encourage you to take the walk across the room to meet some people who are unlike you. You see people who are like you every day. You hang out with people who are like you every day. Church is one of the places where we can meet people who are not like us, but who are united to us because of faith in Jesus. So we want to be a church for all of Edinburgh, for, for all. We want to be a church for all of Edinburgh. Um, we we have a building in this locality which is hugely exciting, but this is where all of our people live. And you might see yourself represented by a dot on that map. I, I'm not totally sure who it is who lives on the Royal Yacht Britannia. <laughs> but just putting it out there, if that is you, I would like some free tickets sometime <laughs> for a tour. Never got to see it yet. But um, Anyway, so here's the, the nature of the church God has built over these last 16 years at King's that started with just 12 people in a living room. It's this that he's built it diversely. We've plonked ourselves in a neighborhood with a building here, but many of you don't live in this neighborhood. And we're never saying that, well, to be honest, we're only about this neighborhood, so if you're not in this neighborhood, you're either out the party or you need to move in. No, we're saying, no, God seems to be giving us a bigger vision than just Brunsfield, Fountain Park. He's giving us a vision for this whole city. 
He's giving us a vision for the north. He's giving us a vision for the west. He's giving us a vision for the south and the east. He, he wants us to spread out and to initiate in different areas. So we're a gathered church on a Sunday morning. And we have groups that use this building. And because we have a building, we can run great things like uh, an elderly cafe and a TOTS group and a, a youth cafe on a Friday afternoon. We're able to use that, but our vision is so much bigger than this. We're also recognizing that most of us here, we don't work full-time for a church. In fact, only a few of us would. Therefore, the way, when, as we talk about all of Edinburgh, what we're understanding is that we, we all live and work in different places. And we're representative of Jesus and King's Church wherever we are. So something we felt was going to be really important over this year is once a month we're just going to be profiling people in their workplace or in their home uh, or, or where they spend their life. To, so we keep lifting up this value that church isn't something just a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night small group, although they're both hugely important parts of church. It's whatever we do, wherever we are. And we're going to be doing that once a month. We're calling it this time tomorrow. We're going to ask people, so what are you going to do this time tomorrow? And what does it mean for you to follow Jesus in that situation? Um, what it also means is this. If we're a church for all Edinburgh, then we want to utilize the, the huge resources God has given us. And one of the best resources he's given us is the home that you live in or the flat that you stay in. And I think for many of us, we, we've kind of, we, we prefer doing things in other people's houses, whether that's small group or church, whatever. I believe God, if we're going to be a church for all Edinburgh, he'd want us to initiate and to invite people into our homes more and more. We thought it would be a bit of fun this year, beginning of December, to try and get some synergy in this. And so what we're going to do is we're going to produce some invitation cards for you to fill in the blanks and to invite people to your house for mulled wine and mince pies or perhaps something nice, because mulled wine and mince pies are pretty awful, aren't they? You, you can invite them in for anything. And a, a Christmas drink, or a Christmas nibble, and say to people, why don't you come around my flat? And we're going to encourage one another all the more. We'll tell you more about that near the time. And the idea is this, that you're going to put out the invitation. The gospel is an offer of hospitality. I was listening to Sandy Miller, from, uh, who founded HTB and the Alpha Course a couple of years ago, and and he was being asked, what was the success of Alpha? And he said, well, the meal is a big part of it. He said, because funnily enough, he said, in churches down the ages, we seem to have reduced the meal element of Christianity from this sit down with Jesus around the table with bread and wine to being a wafer and a sip. And he said, the gospel is all about eating. It's all about hospitality. And so for you and I to to be his people is inviting people into our world, into our homes. I know some of you are in shared flats and that's got challenges and all those things, but I wonder if we could do this more, to be a church for all Edinburgh, a church in your street. And here's the third and final thing, to be a church where all of us are all in for Jesus with our hearts and lives. There's a phrase in Acts 2, it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to breaking bread, to prayer. There's a devotion about church which is biblical and wonderful. That we don't just gather to meet on a Sunday, but we gather 
as the people of God in homes, in small groups. If you're not part of a small group, I'd encourage you to be part of a small group. That's one of the primary ways we express devotion in Kings. And all of us are in different seasons of life here. I remember saying this before, and somebody came to me afterwards, and they said, I said, you know, to, to be a church, we're all in with our hearts and lives. Dan, please don't ask me to do any more. <laughs> I have three young children, and, and, and life is busy. I'm not at all saying it's about doing more. I'm saying it's about a heart of devotion to Jesus. And for some of us, that will look like parenting in our homes, and that's a full-on job. For some of us, it will be very busy career things where we're serving Jesus in that For all of us, I'd hope it's attending small group and being part of that community and helping and encouraging one another. We want to train people and help them move on in progression in their walk with God. We have a course called POD, Paths of Discipleship, where I think 50 people in the last year have gone through this course. And it's really designed at just helping people through some of the basics of Christianity to get things nice and clear. Perhaps that's something that you could do or something that you could take somebody else through. We have a course called Freedom in Christ that helps people just brush off some of the the habits and difficulties that sometimes stop us getting on and following Jesus like we know we want to. And that course, people have found it brilliant just to find biblical truth and prayer to, to help them get free. Perhaps devotion looks like you joining a serving team so that you can help make this whole thing happen. Because here's the sort of nature of being a church where you're all in for Jesus. It's this that at different times, Jesus will start knocking on people's doors and then take them somewhere entirely different. This time last year, 30 people got sent out in this meeting to go and plant a church in Livingston. Because Jesus started knocking on their door. After a few years of the being part of Kings, Jesus said, I think it's time for a new church. And it was so great to send them. If you were here, you'll remember that. And they're doing so well over in Livingston. And that leaves gaps. If people are going to follow Jesus into all that he has for them, then that's going to leave gaps for others to step in and step up. I want to encourage you to be a person who steps into responsibility and asks God for help in doing so. Just another uh, change or example of this. Uh, George Gibson, who leads our worship team so brilliantly, has done the last couple of years. Um, in fact, he, he replaced uh, Luke Renshaw, who went to be part of our Livingston church plant. And when, I remember when Luke went, I thought, oh, who's going to replace Luke? And then God provided George. And George stepped into it and did a totally brilliant job releasing worship leaders and, and stepping up and and also doing all of our graphic design and all those amazing things. Then George came to us about a year or so ago and he said, said, Dan, I I really feel that God's calling me to move to Berlin to help plant the New Ground Church there. Now, got to be honest, the immediate thought inside my head was, God hasn't said that to me, George. (laughs) But funnily enough, what came out of my mouth was, George, we really want to help you find the will of God for your life. And if that's what God's calling you to, we're with you all the way. And that's the path that God's got him on. He'll be going in January. We're really excited that Dan is going to be taking over the worship team. We don't have a quite have an answer on the graphic design yet. But, but this is what God is doing. A church where we're all in, 
means that people will go and others will get brought up into positions of responsibility and shepherding and caring. So I want to ask you today if you'll believe with us and be expectant with us for this next season of Kings. And that needs us to draw strength on God, doesn't it? I don't know if the the band could come and uh, join me. Um, We're going to sing a final song in just a moment. There's that story that Jesus told, that parable of the bridesmaids. And do you remember five of them ran out of petrol? And five had enough. And the story was, the point of the story is this, be ready because Jesus is coming. Be expectant. Don't be caught running out of oil for your lamp. So I want to encourage you to be a man, a woman, who draws strength on God. And we don't have all the answers, but he wants us to trust him for all that is to come. Are you with us in that?